Well, amen. How are y'all today? Has it been good to be in the house of the Lord? It is, it is, it is. We are so grateful to be here um, today. Thank you so much for coming. And uh, today we start a new series leading up to Easter morning. It's entitled, This Christ, A Celebration. And we want to use the song that you just heard, the song that we have sang in Christ alone as a guide to the messages. And I'm this probably in about 30 or 40, if this song does not get lost in the mix, in 30, 40, 50 years, this is going to be one of the great hymns of this time. Uh, as an example, you remember back in the 70s, Bill Gaither wrote a song entitled, Because He Lives. It was a, it was a gospel song. And now, if you go to the average hymn book that's been published in the last even five or six or eight years, you will find that song in there because it became a standard for the truth that because Jesus Christ lives, we too can live. This song is going to be that kind of a song unless it gets lost because there's so much new music and powerful music coming out. I mean, some of them are just gripping in their theology and their doctrine and the power of the words. This song is that way, and I pray it does not get lost because it is so strong. So over the next oh, four weeks, four Sundays, and even a couple of Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, we're going to be singing some of the, or preaching on some of the words from that song using God's word. And I'm very excited as we look forward to this Christ, a celebration. But today, to start, we want to talk about space rocks. You're not surprised, are you? Yeah, space rocks. You know, the, the, Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the majesty of God. The heavens declare the majesty of God. And even this week, I was sitting in the backyard, and I'm looking up, and it's one of those clear nights, and the stars, the diamonds were in the sky, were just beautiful. If you've ever been to Africa or Montana, a place where it's just really dark, you look up and the magnificence of the heavens. And one of the things that makes it even more special is when you're just one of those fortunate folks to see a shooting star. And streaking across the sky with a fireball goes a, a, a star, a falling star, we call them. It's just a beautiful, beautiful sight. And those are actually meteorites that are falling from the sky. And, of course, they usually burn up long before they reach the earth. They burn up in the atmosphere. But every once in a while, that doesn't happen. And what we have then is we have a space rock invading Earth. Now, you might say, what is a space rock uh, well, that would be a rock from space. Just in case you're wondering, a space rock is a rock from space. And every once in a while, and it's very, very rare, it's very spectacular. Um, back in 2013, now that's only five years ago, I remember it very well. Um, in 2013, something happened in Siberia, Russia, that was quite spectacular. And if you've not seen this video, I'd like to show it to you this morning as a way of introducing the message today. So would you please show that video? And we have more now on that breaking story this morning. The meteorite bursting through the atmosphere over Russia, injuring hundreds of folks on the ground. It happened overnight in frigid Siberia, sending shocked residents into a state of panic. ABC's Kurt Rania filed this report just moments ago. The meteorite was captured on car dashboard cameras and phones. A blinding flash of light streaking across the sky. And then, on the ground, chaos as fragments slammed into Earth. Witnesses say they thought a war had broken out. 
The blast shattered windows and knocked down a wall at this zinc factory. Officials say over 250 people were injured, mostly from broken glass. It's extremely cold in this part of Russia, below zero today, and schools closed after the windows were blown out. About 20,000 troops have been sent to the scene, as well as three aircraft which are surveying the damage from the sky. Scientists say the meteor shower was not related to an asteroid that will fly dangerously close to Earth today, but one estimate suggested this meteor was big, perhaps tens of tons. Here at Radia, ABC News, Moscow. Now, unbelievable video there. Now let's repeat... And we have more now on that breaking story this morning. The meteorite burst. Very amazing, isn't it? Y'all remember that? Quite amazing. Did you catch what they said? Tens of tons. They found one piece at the bottom of a lake. They could see where something had crashed through the ice. And it weighed about a 1,000 pounds, one of the largest space rocks to survive. It was just an amazing thing. And that was a thing of beauty. But even so, there was catastrophe. The sonic boom from that uh, shattered windows, that car alarms off, knocked down walls because this thing was traveling at several thousand miles per hour. And the sonic boom, when it came, broke windows, injuring people. Now, if you look back in history, ancient history, if you'll show one of those pictures, this was by far not the largest. This is a crater from a meteorite that struck the Earth a long time ago. This is the kind of meteor that would have caused unbelievable damage. And the next picture also is another one that we know struck the earth. That's another one also. So when we look to the, when we look recently and we look in the far past, we see these things falling from earth. We see these space rocks coming and they're always catastrophic except for one, except for one. 2000 years ago in the Middle East, on a crisp day, a cool day, a space rock came from far outer space. Donnie sang about it. We sang about it. I won't read about it. It says, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. The, rock, the space rock that fell from heaven 2,000 years ago on the first Christmas morning was God in the flesh. And not bringing catastrophe, he brought salvation. Not destroying the souls of men, but saving the souls of men. And the greatest story, the greatest story, the greatest story of all mankind, all history, forever, is that God became man, God became flesh, He came from heaven and was born on this earth for the sole purpose of redeeming mankind. That's why we have a, a series called This Christ, A Celebration. Because He is a Christ, the Christ, that is worth our celebration. Would you say amen to that? Amen to that. Well, our first scripture, we want, I want to tell several stories today as the message. And, and several of them come from the Bible. One comes outside the Bible, uh, but, but you'll appreciate it so much. The first, though, is a scripture tucked away in Isaiah. Because again, if you, if you listen to the video, it said this, this meteorite that hit Russia was not the very large one that passed really close to the earth. 
That same day, one passed within 17,000 miles of Earth that would have been large enough to create a crater like that. Um, to show you how close that was, our weather satellites that we have are about 17,000 miles away. So this large meteorite was not that far away. Scientists predict, scientists predict that one day perhaps a larger meteorite might strike the Earth. Well, God, who is the creator of all things, God, who is the creator of all things, also made a prediction about the cornerstone. Tucked away in the prophet Isaiah's book, Isaiah 28, 16, is just a fabulous scripture. It says this in Isaiah 28, 16, Therefore, the Lord God said, Look, I have, I have laid a stone in Zion. Notice it's past tense. I have laid a stone in Zion. And the reason why, it's amazing, when God says something, it's a sure deal. Now let that poke, let me just soak. You need to know that because when, when something happens tomorrow and God speaks to you about something, you know, a tragedy you're going through that he says, I am here. You know, whatever your future holds, God has got it. Whatever you're going through right now, God has got it. If you look in your past, you'll see God was there. If you look in your present, you'll see God is here. And if you look in your future, God will be there. That's just the kind of God that he is. And so when we read these words, I have laid a stone. He's looking forward. But again, it's such a sure thing. It's as if it already happened. Well, what is this stone? What is this stone? Well, again, Isaiah says, Lord says through Isaiah, I have laid a stone in Zion. It's a tested stone. It's a tested stone. And looking forward to the cornerstone, that rock of ages that Donnie so beautifully sang about, is a rock, a rock that's been proven through time. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he is the rock of ages. And we know on the, uh, in the garden, when he was sitting there bleeding sweat drops of blood, as he prayed and said, he said, Father, if there's any way, for this cup, this cross, the pass from me, let it be so. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. We see this stone tested in his resolve in the garden of Gethsemane. We see his love tested on the cross. As he was nailed in the most brutal, brutal fashion on this a Roman cross like this, with spikes much larger than this, driven through his wrists and through his feet. After being scourged by, by the Romans to an inch of another man's life, what would have killed most men could not kill Jesus because he had destiny on the cross. And he bled and he died. In the midst of bleeding to death and dying on the cross, he says these words. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. We see this stone tested by his love on the cross. We see his patience. In a sealed tomb. He was going to bust out. Have y'all heard? I don't want to be a spoiler alert for Easter. But he's going to bust out. But for three days. Part of Friday. All day Saturday. And for part of Sunday. Three days. He was sealed in that tomb. And we see the patience of Jesus. Waiting to bust out. 
And finally, we see the power of the Rock of Ages on Easter morning when they go there and they find that the stone is rolled away and that he has come out. Death could not hold our victorious king. Death could not hold our victorious king. He is a tested stone. There is no other man like Jesus because there's been no other man like Jesus and there will not be another man like Jesus. As Andy Stanley said, I share this with you every once in a while, when you have a man who predicts his own death and resurrection and pulls it off, you kind of go with him. You kind of go with him. Muhammad couldn't do that. Buddha couldn't do that. No other religious leader did what Jesus Christ did. He arose from the grave. He is a tested stone. He is a precious stone. He is a precious stone, more valuable than gold or silver, more, more valuable than diamonds or rubies. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 18, it says, Peter writes and says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but, but here's how you're redeemed. You're redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So he was a trusted, tested stone. He was a precious stone. He was a corner stone. He was the keystone. He was the stone. He was a sure foundation. My hope is built on nothing less. Then Jesus' blood and righteousness, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean, I wholly lean in Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground, your religion, your baptism, your good works, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. He was not only tested, he was not only precious, he was only a sure foundation. He makes this promise, God does. The one who believes will be unshakable. The one who believes will be unshakable. I think it's so amazing that God didn't say do this or do that or get better or stop your habits or become religious or become a Baptist or become a Presbyterian or a Methodist. He did none of that. From the get-go, it was all by faith. From the get-go, it was all simply believing And God and what God said. You know, we are saved today. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This amazing thing is whoever believes. The whosoever believes. That's the power of the scope of the gospel. That any person, red, yellow, black, green, uh, whether your sin list is two miles long or you think it's short, His grace is sufficient for you. So what a wonderful space rock. A rock from heaven. The rock that came from heaven to earth in the form of a little baby who grew up and became our Savior and our Redeemer and died on a cross for us. It's amazing. It's amazing. But I want you to know this. Becoming a Christ follower... It's easy in the sense that it's done by faith and believing, but being a Christ follower is not easy. We somehow, in Western culture, especially in America, we fear someone told us and we believe them that if we trust Jesus, everything is easy. Oh, you never lose your job. Oh, you never get sick. In fact, according to them, probably you never die because you never get, you know, you never not get healed. That's health and wealth, prosperity gospel. The problem is people do die. And good people do get sick. 
Jesus never said easy. It's sure. It's faithful. But it's not easy. If you want the big easy, go to New Orleans. That's the big easy. But don't go to the cross. Because Jesus said, if any man comes after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The call to follow Christ is a commitment for life. And it may not be easy. It's worth it. It's worth it. So we jump forward to John chapter 6 and verse 66. Jesus had taught some difficult things. And there are a lot of people who were following Jesus. A lot. And in verse 66 it says... From that time, and that time being, he taught some really hard things. I don't have time to explain it or go into it even, but it involved eating flesh and drinking blood. And they just couldn't quite handle that. They didn't get the sim- Peter got the symbolism of it. We know that later. He, they did not get. They thought literally that you had to go up and chew on Jesus and drink his blood. That's the, the crowd didn't get it. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. You see, not all believers are believers. Not all believers are believers. And just to clarify, James said, even the devil believes and trembles. There's a lot of people who believe in God who are not Christians. There's a lot of people who believe in quotes in Jesus, but they're not Christians. Because, see, you've got to get that believing thing from here to here. You've got, to get, you've got to get that believing thing from religion to relationship. From religion to relationship. You, you've got to get that Jesus thing from convenience to conviction. From convenience to conviction. You, you've got to reach that point where you want to take up that cross and follow him no matter what. Well, a chunk of them just couldn't do that. So they turned away and they walked with him no more. And Jesus turned to the twelve and said, do you want to go away? Looked at the twelve and said, do you want to go away? I like the verbiage in the Christian Standard Bible because truth be known, they probably kind of wanted to go. I mean, these were hard things. And they were going, well, you know, Jesus. I, I wonder, I wonder you, know, you remember the first, hey guys, do you remember the first time you told your girlfriend that you loved her and she kind of went, no response? Or, or when you asked your fiance, will you marry me? Or excuse me, your to be fiance, she, you know, will you marry me? And she kind of didn't answer. That uncomfortable pause. You kind of wonder, was there an uncomfortable pause when Jesus said, do you want to go away? Fortunately, Peter speaks up. Hopefully, there wasn't that uncomfortable pause. But, but Peter speaks up and says, Lord, to whom shall we go? What a great question. What a great question. To whom shall we go? You know, before you get all fired up mad at God, if you're a Christ follower, before you get all fired up mad because God didn't give you every, every whim, where are you going? Before you get mad at God because your loved one didn't get healed, can I ask you, where are you going? If you're all mad at God because your loved one died, can I ask where you're going? There's nothing else. I mean, Peter says it. He says, Lord, Lord, where would we go? You, you have the words 
of eternal life. Peter got it. He didn't say, oh, it's going to be easy. He said, we just fully understand. We can't go anywhere else because there is nowhere else. If you'll get this in your brain, I'm going to help you this morning. If you'll get this in your brain that the grass is green, you know, get it out of your brain, that the grass is greener on the other side, that you are better lost than saved, that life was better lost than saved. If you get that crazy, stupid thought out of your head and realize when Jesus saved you, he changed you, he gave you heaven, it's the best deal yet. Shoot, you know what I do? It don't matter what. I'll go buy something. And go home and check the internet, internet, make sure I got the best deal. I done bought it. Well, honey, you done bought it. You got Jesus, and you can't get better than that. You can't get better than Jesus. So where are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life, and it gets even better. And we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ. You are this Christ. You are the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. Peter said, I don't understand all the things you say. I didn't get all of that thing about eating blood or drinking blood and eating flesh thing. I didn't get all that. I didn't like it. Later on, he's going to say, you're going to deny me. I didn't like that either. But there ain't no other place to go. Where would we go? And besides that, we believe. Oh, say that with me. We believe. We believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And here's a little nugget. Y'all know I don't know any Greek. The only Greek I know owns a restaurant, okay? But, but anyway, listen. See that word there? And we have come to believe and know. All right, in the Greek, we don't get it in English. But in the Greek, that's in the perfect tense. It means continuously and ongoing. This was not, this was not a momentary thought with Peter and said, well, right now, now listen, <laughs> right now I believe in you. I may not believe in you tomorrow, but I believe in you right now. Listen, you answered my prayer, so I'm going to believe in you today, God. You gave me the promotion, so I'm going to believe in you today. It's not that. It's believing and knowing continuously. Good times, bad times. Hard circumstance, good circumstance. When the prayer seems obvious and the times it doesn't. Listen, Jesus, we're going to believe. We're going to believe today. We're going to believe tomorrow. And we're going to believe two weeks from now. We're going to believe. And guess what? Right on and into eternity. And, and Christians, believers, hear me. That's the call. That's the call. He doesn't call us to believe for a week. He doesn't call us to believe until summer gets here and some better offer comes along. He doesn't, he doesn't call us to believe when there's a better offer a month from now, a year from now, and you say, well, you know what, that God looks better. We are called to believe, period. We believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Rock solid in our faith. Not the big easy. When it's convenient. When it's fun. Rock solid in our faith. Several weeks ago, Donnie Billman said, I'm not even sure how it came up. Have you ever heard the story of the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus? 
And he said, uh, y'all look that up. Well, I, I didn't forget it because obviously I remembered. But I didn't look it up. So preparing for this message, I looked it up. Now, this story is so... This story is so wild. I, I know you're going to be tempted to think someone made that up. <laughs> this, is, this is one of those stories that preachers tell to make a good point. This story is true. It was around 1850, the mid-19th century, around 1850, and there was a flood of missionaries, and this one happened to be an American Baptist missionary. And he went to northeast India. Northeast India. Let me get, get the name of the province so you'll know it and you can write it down if you want to so you can check it out. Um, it was, uh, there we go. Ben, I'm having trouble. Here we go. Uh, Asema, Asaya, Asaya. Okay? So he goes in there, virtually has no fruit for a while. Eventually, a man believes, and I'm going to slaughter this name, no, no Sinji, no Sinji, a man named Nosinji became a believer in Jesus Christ along with his family. Word got out that he became a believer. So the chief of the village calls he, his wife, and two sons before the village council with the rest of the villagers and said this, I'm going to give you an opportunity to renounce your faith. If you do not renounce your faith, I'm going to kill your two sons. So, this gentleman had written a song. I know it sounds incredible, I know. But he had written this song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And he said, or he started to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And the chief executed the two sons. He then turned his wrath to the wife. He said, I'm going to give you the opportunity to renounce Jesus Christ. If you do not do it, I will execute your wife. And he started singing, Though none go with me, I still will follow Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back. No turning back. And the chief executed his wife. With the blood of his sons and his wife at his feet, the king said, Now renounce this Christ, or I will kill you. And he began to sing, The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. Behind me. And with that, he was executed. I have decided to follow Jesus. If there's a, a good ending to this story, and it's, again, I know it sounds too much like a preacher story. I checked it. The chief was so impressed with the sacrifice, he became a follower of Jesus Christ as well as many of the villagers. If we want to see the world, if we want to see Harrisburg students, 
If you want your high schools to come to see Jesus and know Jesus, if we want our community to come see and know Jesus, if we want our nation to come back to see and know Jesus, it's that kind of faith. It's that kind of story that says, I have decided to follow Jesus, whether it's popular or not, whether it costs me homecoming queen or captain of the football team or whether it costs me a prestige in the community or whether it costs me power in the community or whether it costs me you know, a promotion on the job because I won't do the things they want me to do. That's the call of the Christian. That's the call of the Christ follower. I have decided to follow Jesus. And Jesus might well be speaking to your heart today and saying, do you want to go to? And you've got to nail down your answer as no. No matter what, the answer is no. Where would I go? You alone had the words of life. It's not the big easy. It's not this fire escape mentality that so many of us have. Trust Jesus, don't go to hell, what a deal. It's a lifelong, eternal calling to Christ. To be willing to live for him and die for him if necessary. This Christ, that celebration, a man worth living for and a man worth dying for. Another story. This comes, and I apologize, the reference is wrong on the sermon sheet. It should be Acts chapter 4. But Acts chapter 4 is a wonderful story. And again, keeping track of time, uh, trying to keep track there. Um, you know, the story of uh, Peter and John were going to the temple for prayer. There's a lame guy there. He's hoping to get some money from them. And they, Peter says, don't have any money. But what I've got, I'll give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And he reaches down and takes him by the hand and lifts him up. And he's healed. He's healed. Boy, it calls a stir. Peter kind of broke into a sermon at there on Solomon's porch. Kind of broke into a sermon. And everybody, uh, the religious crowd, gets pretty mad at him. And so they drag Peter before the council. Peter and John. Let me read it. This is a read-through thing, and then we're going to get some meat out in just a moment. So after they had Peter and John stand before them, they begin to question them, by what power or in what name have you done this? By what power or what name have you done this? That's why it's important we never say the Baptist's name, the Dorsville name, the preacher's name. It happens in the name of Jesus. By what power and what name have you done this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to him, Rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, and by what means he was healed, oh, we can answer that. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name, by the power, and by the authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this Christ... Whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead. See, that's what sets everything apart. If Jesus had stayed dead, he'd have been just a good Jew. But again, when a man predicts and pulls off his own resurrection, you kind of go with it. You killed him, but God raised him from the dead by him, by his name, by his power. This man is standing here before you Now the meat. This Jesus, this Christ, this Jesus is the stone rejected 
by you builders. This is the space rock that you rejected. The rock from outer space that you rejected. Which has become the cornerstone. The life changer. See, he wants to change your life today. He wants to do what religion can't do in your life. He wants to do what being good can't do in your life. He wants to do what what quitting and starting can't do in your life. He, He wants to do what baptism can't do in your life. He wants to change your life from the inside out. From the inside out. This this cornerstone, this heart changer, this world changer. Have you ever can I just have you pause a moment and think about that? Why is it we're talking about a Jewish man that never traveled but a but a hundred miles from his home, who we should know nothing about? Why are we still talking about him two thousand years later? You can't name half the emperors that lived then. They don't even have histories, but we're talking about a Jewish carpenter who lived 2,000 years ago, and his name is known around the world. You want to know why? Because he's the son of God, and he's changing lives today. He's changing the world today, and he wants to change your life. He wants to come in and give you the hope of eternal life. That's the power of this Christ. And he goes on and says, this, this stone that you rejected has become the cornerstone. And there's salvation. There's salvation and no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given whereby man must be saved. There is no other name. That's why I said, where are you going? There's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. I said about two months ago that, that the way is narrow and broad. It's narrow in the sense Jesus meant what he said. I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. You know, Peter meant exactly what he said. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by people by which we must be saved. It's narrow, but it's broad. You know why it's broad? Because it includes you. It includes you. That whosoever thing in the Bible is true. You're sitting here today, or maybe you're listening on the radio, and you're going, God couldn't want me. I've done everything. You, you name it, and I've done it. There's some things I wouldn't tell my best friend I've done. You know what? His grace is sufficient. He doesn't care if you're black or white or yellow or brown or whatever skin color you want to try to claim. He don't care about your skin color. He don't even care about what religious title you claim. I'm telling you, he loves you, and he can change your life today. If you will believe and trust and turn to him. There's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Can I tell you one more story? It's in the Bible too. It's over in Acts chapter 26. And Paul is arrested for for being a a Christ follower. And he's he's standing before King Agrippa. And, And he asked this king this question. Pretty bold considering who he's speaking to. He says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? And then he answers his own question, I know that you do believe. And Agrippa said, Paul, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. You almost persuade me to be a Christian. Some translations say, do you think you can persuade me to be a Christian? Either way, almost. 
Almost. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today, all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, a believer, yet without these chains. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul says, I plead with you. I plead with you, follow Christ. And today we are, I am pleading with you. If you've never trusted Christ, this Christ, this Christ. Uh, man, if you're not a believer, I don't know what you're going to do Easter night, but you need to be here for this movie. Because Lee Strobel was an atheist. A lawyer who was an atheist. Well-educated. Set out to prove Christianity as a fraud. And when he finished his analysis, he became a believer. You need to mark that down on your calendar. Because what's hanging in the balance is huge. The song, we don't sing anymore. The song says this. Almost persuaded. Harvest is past. Almost persuaded. Doom comes at last. Almost cannot avail. Almost is but to fail. Sad, sad, that bitter wail, almost, but lost. How about you today? Where are you in your journey of life? Has there come a time in your life when you have honestly analyzed the claims of Christ, this Christ? Has there come a time in your life when you have, one, realized you're a sinner and there was nothing you could do about that, that God did something by allowing His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross. And believe that He paid the price for your sin and your willingness to turn from that sin and follow Him. Have you become a follower of Christ? If not, that's what we want to offer you today. I don't offer you a better life in the sense of promotions and health. That's in God's hands. But I will promise you this. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I believe that. No matter what your past is like, no matter how good or bad you see yourself, no matter how many failures or how much success, he makes the claim and the offer for you to be saved. And I know that, that hymn may sound negative. Doom comes at last. The Bible says that those who do not know Jesus Christ, Jesus himself one day will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me, I never knew you. In fact, it says in the book of Revelation 20, verse 15, and anyone whose name... It is funny. It doesn't say all the bad people. It doesn't say that. It says, anyone whose name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was thrown into the lake of fire forever. Whoever name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast in the lake of fire forever. And God... You say, well, what kind of God would send good people to hell? He doesn't. He's done everything he can to keep you out of there. You condemn yourself to hell by rejecting the truth of the cross. And I'm being dogmatic with that. I want you to understand there is a heaven and there is a hell. And Jesus Christ is the only way. Not religion, not badness, not doors fill, not feel good, not emotion. Jesus Christ is the way. And he invites you to come, have your sins forgiven, 
and have your eternity sealed for a place called heaven. But it's your call. It's your call. This Christ is amazing. There was none other like him because there's no other like him. No other man predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off. That's why we still talk about a guy who we should know nothing about. And millions and millions, perhaps billions of people in the world know and respond to the name of Jesus. Would you bow your head, please? How about you? How about you? In 2 Corinthians 6, 2, Paul also writes. Paul did a lot of writing. Have you figured it out? Paul says, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time of God's grace. And then he says, today is the day of salvation. Today, God is extending his grace to you. And today is the day of salvation. You thought about it, you put it off. You thought about it, and you put it off. Today is the day. If God is speaking to your heart, if something's pricked your heart today, you say, I need to do this. Don't wait. Come today. My friend Brent will be standing down front. And if you'll come again, if you'll accept by faith, accept what Jesus Christ has done, you can leave this place today knowing that heaven is your eternity. Heaven is your eternity. God, I thank you for the privilege of preaching this message today. Father, I want to pray in Jesus' name that you will draw people to yourself. Holy Spirit, would you work this, this place today and prick the hearts of men, women, and children and bring them to a saving, rock-solid knowledge of Jesus Christ. Have them believe that he died for them and by faith, put their faith and trust in them, their weight in him, and then choose to follow him. Speak to the hearts of people. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, please?